Hello and welcome to Sideways Life Podcast. I'm Leanne. And I'm Hal. And welcome. Hello. Hi. Hi. How you been? How's it all going? Yeah. What's, what's going on? Yeah, tell us. This is a one-way communication. This is not going to work. Can people comment? They can, but then it's asynchronous. So we, we can't respond to their comments because that'll be at the point at which they're listening to this, which will be in the future. So unless we can do like some kind of time machine. We no. could look into that for next week. I'll, it's a weekend project for me. Okay. Anyway, so <laughs> today we are talking to Lucy Bolan. Now, Lucy is a pretty extraordinary lady. Um, I think, Leanne, did you find her on Instagram? I think I think this is one of the guests that you found, actually. Probably the only guest that I've actually found. <laughs> Leanne's much better at booking guests than I am. Um, but yeah, so Lucy, she I think when she first came onto our radar because she was commenting in a group that we're in uh, for expats in Croatia. And she was running this survey uh, about what's it like to be ex, an expat. Um, I think I was a bit too late for the survey, but I did see that she'd got the book, which was like the results of the survey. So I definitely popped my email address in, got her book, and it was really fascinating, really, really interesting. Uh, she'd done these surveys of all these um, of all these expats, and she's asked them, like, you know, what's the challenges, what's the good bits, what's the bad bits, and etc. Uh, we'll put a link to the book down below so you can go and get your own copy. Um, but some of the most exciting things, I think, um, let's give you a little brief history of her. She is uh, originally from Poland, from a place called Dansk or Gdansk. We've been there, Leanne, haven't we? Oh, we liked it there. We loved it there. That was actually the last stop on our usual, normal programming digital nomad life before COVID happened. I think our plan was we were, we were in, uh, we came down and went to Denmark. Then we went to a place called Stechin in Poland, mm. and then we went to Gdansk, and then we were going to go to, was it Lithuania after that? Yeah, and we, and we did. And we did go to Lithuania, but then the plan was to go on to Ukraine, um, and then, what's the other one? Belarus, Belarus Moldova. And go back down to the to the south coast, but clearly COVID had different ideas yeah, for us. she had other things in mind. She did. So we spent six months in Lithuania, which was not bad. It was really nice. It's a great, Vilnius is a great place. In I fact. love that you remember it's six months. Did it feel like that long? Was it not six months? I think we arrived, I think it was maybe four. A little, little, little less than four. Did feel Don't like. Oh, four, four and a bit, four and a bit. Well, considering that we hadn't spent more than about a month previously in any one place, it did feel a bit long. It felt like Yes. And in lockdown for most of it too. <clears throat> that is true. But if you ever do go to uh, Lithuania, then look up something called a Lithuanian split. Have I said that right? Spit. Spit. It's just a little sort of like, um, it's like a little piece of land on the north coast. I'm looking at the end now. It is. I think it's called the Coronian Spit. I'm ah. not sure if I'm saying that right. But yeah, it's a tiny little, little strip of land that's got a bay on one side and a sea on the other. Half is owned by Lithuania, half is owned by Russia. So we went to the Lithuanian bit of, um, and it's cool, isn't it? Really cool. If you if you like fish, particularly smoked fish, mm. hot smoked fish, mm. you'll like it though. Anyway, I'm not quite sure how I've taken a conversation away from expats <laughs> and a lady from and Poland. Lucy. Sorry, Lucy. Yeah, sorry if you're listening, Lucy. Um, we we segued a little bit there. So Lucy is uh, she's a coach. She works with anyone around styling. Um, around becoming an expat, about settling in as an expat. Uh, she herself has been both an expat and a nomad. Uh, 17 cities, she's moved 29 times. We talked about being the challenges, uh, what's stopping you from being an expat, and also when you are an expat, what are the challenges of being an expat? 
Um, and again, she digs into this survey and you get loads and loads of great stuff from the research she's done. Um, and then the final thing, which you and I have talked about a lot, Leanne, is the trade-off. Um, can you explain a bit more about what I mean about the trade-off of this life? I think like any, like any life, there are ups, there are downs, there are pros, there are cons. And as fabulous as it might look to be a nomad or an expat and living particularly somewhere warm and lovely, um, you know, you get the whole instant envy kind of thing. And mm. But the reality is no life is perfect. Um, and, the you know, the big traders are, are, I think, friendships and community and mm. that sense of belonging is, um, is, it is lacking. Yeah, that's a really good point. And we do cover that, actually, because we talk about um, uh, some people who decide they're going to go off and have a great adventure around the world because they don't belong at home, which is why I'm using my inverted commas, which you can't see because it's a podcast. And then they realise that they're just as lonely, even more so in a different country because they've not even got the friends or the family that they have back at home. But anyway, so that sounds a bit negative. It's actually really interesting the way we talk about it. And it's also if you are if you are sitting in your home country and you are looking at planning some kind of journey, then it's good to know the goods and the bads before you set off. Absolutely. We're not here to sell a particular lifestyle, which is mm -hmm. why we talk to lots of different people who have different types of sideways life. Um, but whatever type they have, it's there's always downsides. We need to give you a realistic picture, particularly if you're thinking about making a, a big life decision. And it would be. Anyway. All right, so we're going to crack on to the interview now. This is uh, uh, the sound quality. As all our interviews, we don't we, we record on a decent mic in our house up when we're chatting. On the interviews, we have to do it over Zoom or something like that, Skype. So the sound quality is uh, never quite as good. Just I need to apologise towards the end of this interview. I think that uh, Lucy's laptop was about to take off. You can hear all the fans spinning on her laptop, so it sounds like she's in a wind tunnel. But uh, that's only towards like the last sort of seven or eight minutes. Um, so uh, if you can excuse us that, then without further ado, let me introduce Lucy. We have got uh, Lucy Bolin with us today. Now, the reason why I really want to talk to Lucy is she, not only has she got a fantastic story, not only does she help coach people to start businesses, um, to uh, fashion, uh, life coaching, but also she helps people to become an expat. And of course, she's an expat or a nomad herself. Um, I want to start, I want to ask you the question at some point, how would you define the difference between an expat and a nomad? But we'll come on to that. Uh, so welcome, Lucy. Hello. Hi, how are you? <laughs> good, thank you. Good, thank you. Thanks for taking the time. Um, I want to start off because your story is incredible. I want to start off with your story. So do you want to tell us how you got to where you are now? So I will take you from a few, I will take you through a few stages. Um, it's all started when I graduated from high school, I wanted to take a break from further studying and I wanted to figure out what I wanted to do in life. You know, after you graduate, you have so many ideas and you just don't know where to start. So I left for a year and I went to the States. So I spent 13, 14 months in the United States, traveling, exploring, and yeah, coming up with ideas what I could do, what I could study. Um, I came back to Poland, where I'm originally from, and I realized that I didn't want to stay in Poland any longer. So this is where I started my nomadic uh, uh, journey. Uh, I traveled in Europe for, for two years. And after that, it was, I think, time for me to start my, my bachelor's degree. So the next stage was starting my studies in Poland, in Gdansk, where I was born. Uh, but I always was looking for opportunities to um, 
yeah, travel and to spend some time abroad. So with my bachelor's degree, I spent two semesters in Germany because there was a European exchange program. And while I was at it, I was already planning my next stage because I wanted to um, explore more countries. And I then moved to London where I did my master's degree and started my first jobs. Um, but I've always had this urge and an eagerness to move, to explore new countries, to uh, meet new people. So I went back to Germany and I was lecturing intercultural communication at a university in Germany. And I was looking for opportunities to um, be a, a guest lecturer in other European countries. Um, so I spent a few months in Valencia at university lecturing English and intercultural communication there. Um, the next stage was moving from lecturing to corporate training. So I started working in learning and development uh, for a recruitment company in Frankfurt. And with this job, I traveled a lot. So even though my life was not nomadic, because I, was, I stayed put in one city for three years, I ensured that I had the opportunities to travel in my job. Um, and this took me to uh, Barcelona with my next job, which again uh, enabled me to travel with the job. And three, four years ago, I moved from Barcelona, Spain, to France, where I opened up my own business. And this is where and when I started working remotely. So I could call myself a nomad because I can take my job with me. But throughout those years, it's it was 20 years that I lived abroad, so away from Poland, even though I had a job and a permanent contract, and I would definitely not fulfill the definition of a nomad, uh, my job made it possible for me to travel and to and to yeah work in different countries and across different continents. So to go back to to France, I started my coaching business, um, and last year I moved back to Poland. So I repatriated after twenty years abroad due to family reasons. Uh, maybe we can come to it later. But just in a nutshell, this is what my story is about. That's really cool, and it was. Uh, 18 cities and moving 29 times. Is that right? Exactly. So across six countries, I have moved 29 times. So I have lived in 29 different flats, houses, establishments, you name it. Um, and now, yeah, I came back to where I used to go to school. So I'm in the very same place, which feels very bizarre, but also refreshing and rewarding in a way. We spent um, a month in Gdansk uh, two years ago or just after Christmas, and absolutely mm. fell in love with the place. It was, uh, we were right in the city, you know, where the Granary, is yeah. it Granary Wharf, is it called? Oh, yeah, in Gdansk, yeah, that's the that's the old city. Yes, this is really lovely, and it's changed. When I left, it wasn't as beautiful. I used to go to to, to th secondary school there, and yeah, I've changed, the, the city has changed. Out of all these places you've been, you've been to Philadelphia, you've been to Liverpool, you've been to London, France, um, is one place that is your favourite? Yes, this is an easy an easy answer for me. Yeah. So Barcelona is definitely my my place on earth. Um, I know many people um, love it, adore it. It's their their favorite city in the world. For me, it has a deeper meaning uh, because when I moved from Frankfurt, Germany to to Spain, it was an unexpected move. Uh, so I was just about to settle in Germany. I was at that point in my life when I thought, okay, I have been traveling and I am ready to settle. Uh, when I received a phone call from, from a headhunter saying that there was this job and that project in a company, and I say, yes, sure, 
let's do it. But then he told me it's in Barcelona. So that involved me moving yet again, um, which I did. But I thought this is the very last time I'm moving. And I met my now husband there and my, my first child was, was born there. So that's why Barcelona is special to me. But also because of the culture and the vibe and uh, the, yeah, the dynamics of the people. I feel like when I'm in Barcelona, I, I get this vibe that anything is possible. Um, I feel somehow much more positive. So maybe the sunshine, maybe uh, maybe the people, maybe the possibilities that, that influence how one feels. I love that. I love that. Which is, um, that's actually a question yeah. which I, you just made me want to ask you, is um, what at what point does someone nomadic, does someone who travel a lot, what do you think? Is, do you think there's a defined point where someone says, I want to settle? Is it after a period of time? Is it after a life event? What do you think? I think it... it I think it could be both. So I actually reached out to nomads and expats and asked them the difference, right, between an expat and a nomad and, and what characterizes a nomad. So I think I received 500-something answers. So I think we make the definition ourselves. Um, to me, a nomadic person um, works remotely, doesn't stay in a place for longer than three to, to six months, um, they usually are entrepreneurs, they have their own business or they have gigs. Um, an expert is a person who would stay put uh, for a few years in a place or maybe would emigrate it from their country of origin abroad and stay there. Um, I have to say that there was that point in, in my life when I wanted to settle. That doesn't mean that I would have stayed in Frankfurt back then, you know, for the rest of my life, but I wanted to have a home base. So I wanted to have a place I can call home, my own, yes, my own flat, my own little garden, my own little terrace where I can do yoga. And I think it, 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 that, that moment where I realized that just arrived. I don't think uh, it can be when you are, you know, in your late 20s, it can be in your mid 30s. Um, it was just like the inner desire and I felt, I have to admit, I felt tired of always traveling, always having the suitcase open where I just, you know, put things in and out. Um, so I wanted to have a base. Yeah, I think we can definitely, um, we, we can definitely understand mm -hmm. that. We um, personally, my, my wife and I, we started, uh, we moved to Spain in 2012. Uh, we started full-time traveling in 2017 mm -hmm. and... Uh, we stayed no more than probably a month in any one place, sometimes two weeks, sometimes it was a week, yeah. um, and it got to last year. And thanks to the lockdown, we spent six months in Lithuania. We're like, this is quite nice, actually, <laughs> being somewhere for six months. Yeah. So, yeah, we did six months in Maribor, and now we've just gone for the 12-month visa in Croatia. So uh, we're going to be here for a year. Mm. So I think we still see ourselves as nomads mm. in the, you know, yeah. we'll still travel from there. We might disappear for a month down to Split or something, but it's an interesting thing you're saying difference between expat and nomad, because... Yeah. I suppose it could be pretty much the same thing, yeah. depending on your outlook. Yeah. People say that nomads don't have belongings, nomads don't have many possessions, um, nomads are very flexible, nomads do not have many bonds linked so that they are very flexible and that they can just pick up their, their luggage and, mm. and go. So this is how people um, define it. I was a nomad, let's say, for maybe a two years when, yeah, when I was deciding what to do, what to study, where to begin my studies. Then I would uh, stay in Hungary for a month and then go to Lithuania. I was visiting my friends that I had met before in the States. Then I was 
just testing the vibe and saying, am I staying here? Am I going? And this is to me was nomadic. I didn't have a set plan. I didn't have a game plan. I would um, make decisions depending on how I felt, what ideas I, I, I would receive, you know, from the place. Whereas when I was an expat, I had a permanent contract. I had a, 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 a flat. Um, I had an address. I had, a, you know, a phone. Um, things, things like that. So I, when, when the next stage, you know, would, I would loom in that entailed, um, changes that impaired traveling to a new place, finding a new flat, going through all the formalities, the paperwork again. So when you're an expat, you don't want to do it too often because that of course takes a lot of time, energy. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Mm -hmm. Agreed. So thinking about both your experience and the clients you help to become um, nomads or expats, what do you think are the challenges stopping people uh, from, from doing this, living this life? Yes. Yeah, so I think I remember when I lived in, in Spain and people would ask me, you know, where I was from and then they would hear from my accent that I wasn't Spanish and then they would learn that I have had traveled and they would share with me that they had always wanted to do it and they would love it if they, you know, one day moved abroad. And then, of course, my question would follow. So, you know, what is blocking you? What is stopping you? What are you thinking? Why are you hesitating? Um, sometimes I think it is the fear. Yes, I think it's the most obvious answer, the fear of the unknown, the fear of uh, new things, um, uncertainty, ambiguity, Sometimes it's your life circumstances and lack of clarity. If you want to leave, but you don't know why you would actually be going to, to that new place and then where you would be going and what you would be doing in that place and would your partner be coming, your family with you and for how long. And if you start overthinking it, you know, what's at stake? What is the trade or if I go, what will I gain? But what will I lose Unless you have the strong desire and an urge and you want to do it anyway, because if you don't, you will regret, you won't do it. If you don't have that strong urge, probably you will just keep dreaming about it rather than actually going and doing it. There's something in your um, Thrive uh, ebook, which we'll talk about mm. in a minute, um, that talks about, uh, I, I, my phrasing is that people sometimes move the other side of the world and the only thing that's changed is the view out their window because they feel like they're running away from some problems. Yeah. Um, and you address that pretty much early on in this guide. So can you tell us a bit about that? Yes, absolutely. So I think it was it was the first chapter in in, in the guide. Start with the why. Um, and people think, but you know, I, I I don't really know why I want to move abroad. People around me do it. It's it's fashionable. It's trendy. Uh, you need to know for yourself why you want to go and again what you've just said are you running away from something you know is is it something that you are not currently unhappy with in your life you're dissatisfied something is missing and you think that this void will be filled in that new place so if this is what you're thinking um you need to have a reality a reality check because it won't yeah i would start with with clarity why you want to move abroad and have a rough game plan so not too much planning not too much preparation not too much research so that you still are curious and open to the novelty if you're thinking about it it means that you want to do it if you're not doing it you're just scared and if you're scared it's it's good scared so use this fear as a fuel as your motivation 
and just see what you need to really move the step. You know, a good chat with a friend. Do you need maybe a special specialist who can help you with the move? What is it in the whole process that's overwhelming you? Is it, you know, the technical, the formalities, the paperwork, the move itself? Or is it your inner voice, you know, that keeps uh, keeps talking to you and makes you sit on the fence instead of acting, doing something? And life is short, so if you find this lifestyle attractive, if you find that country calling your name, why not do it? Write this down. What is stopping me and how big is this this, this giant, you know, this beast? Um, you can ask yourself, what's the worst thing that can happen and what's the best thing that can happen? And if you write down the scenarios of the worst thing that can happen and you just find a quiet moment and find a few solutions, you know, quick ideas, of what you could do when that worst thing, you know, happens, when the worst come to, comes to the worst, then you feel better prepared. Then you are eliminating, you know, uh, um, the doubts, the, 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 the fears, and you can focus on the best thing that can happen because what you want wants you. So if you think what you want, you are manifesting it and it will happen. So spend more of your, more energy on what you want from that move abroad, from that stay abroad. And it, it's been proven that when you think about what you want, it will, it will appear in your life. It will manifest itself. You will attract it. And I am yeah, a big fan of the law of attraction. I have tested it many, many times. And the opposite. If I thought about what I didn't want, in most cases, it, it happened. It arrived. Yeah, I think there's, um, there's a German philosopher who's got a name to that sort of scientific side of that the law of attraction I like, yeah i think even if you even if you don't believe in this slightly ethereal law of attraction certainly um uh, you you if you think about something you'll notice the opportunity so you know it, it's i definitely agree with all of that is that if you are out for example we were thinking about poland going to poland and then almost everywhere we looked we'd see stuff about poland we were like well that's weird but actually it's there already it's just we're noticing it now because that was on our on our yeah. mind you cut you pick up on something there yeah. i think is really really yeah. important um, and that is the that is that traveling can be lonely, um, even if you're doing it as a couple, which um, mm -hmm. my wife and I travel full time as a couple. We've lived abroad as a couple. And luckily, we get on really well. We've got the same weird sense of humor. But it is it is a lonely time, actually, living, yeah. living abroad, isn't it? Yes. So tell us a bit more about how, how someone might overcome that. If you make friends with yourself and if you enjoy spending time with yourself, then the loneliness will be easier to tackle. Of course, when we travel there, that there is a lot of Facebook groups that you can join. There is a lot of events for expats that are organized. Uh, you can join local clubs. You can go outside and just try to strike up a conversation. But if you do it with that why in mind that, oh, I, I, I need to meet people. I want to make friends. I want to build my, my, my network. If your energy is focused on that, sometimes you might feel, you might find yourself feeling that you are forcing it, that you are wanting it too much and with all those efforts you might even find yourself feeling more lonely so this is what i've experienced working with with other experts who have this huge network of friends they have colleagues and all those colleagues and friends in all those places that they have lived and then they have their friends and family back home and at the, at the end of the day they still feel lonely because they depend on the external circumstances to fulfill their need um, of acceptance you know, of satisfaction. Um, so that's why I 
I bring up the idea of creative living. How can you live your art creatively so that, first of all, you love spending time with yourself, you have something um, that you create, whether it's a podcast like you, or it's a you know a piece of writing, or it could be something um, with arts, or it could be you going for a walk, or it could be you doing, I don't know, walking meditation. It could be you cooking a delicious meal. It could be you taking care of yourself or of your, you know, of, of I don't know, your pet. So there is always something that you can do to um, fill this void. I think that's a, that's a brilliant way of looking at it. Um, I think the pandemic has ironically, it stopped most people from traveling, but also it's, it's, it's allowed people during the lockdown, as you say, to learn to, um, I don't want to get too wishy-washy and say, love yourself, but almost be, be, comf- be comfortable in, w- with your own company um, and find other creative ways to, to, to build your community or mm-hmm. connect with your community. Um, so in actual fact, although it's, um, mm-hmm. although it's a bit strange, us all being locked in our houses, and not being able to travel, I think when it, everything does open up again, I think it's going to prepare a lot of people who are now re, who are now happy to remote yeah. to work remotely and now happy being on their own to say, "Screw it, I'm off. I'm going to go and live somewhere yeah. in uh, yeah. uh, in Europe or Thailand or wherever." Yeah. I think it's really cool. And actually, just if I can add, if you if you're committed to to staying in, in touch with your friends or committed to not being lonely, you know, if you like make a deal with yourself, it will happen. So I have clients who have lived abroad for 10 years, 12 years, and they have better relationships with their, with their family and friends back home than before they, they, they had left. So they make it a priority. They have a system in place. So every Saturday, they have a call with the family. They have catch-ups every month with their friends in this location. They meet people that where they have common passions and goals, even if they have to do that over Zoom. You know, they have the Zoom on while they cook while they watch TV, they even watch films together. Mm. So if you want to connect, you, you, you can. Yeah. You just need to make it a priority and have a plan and say, okay, what suits me? What do I like? Um, can I join maybe a hiking group? I mean, in the pandemic, I've done a lot of hikes with people from all, the, all around the world. Yes, we maintain the, the distance, but we still managed to, to have an amazing time in the forest where we hiked, you know, in two meters of snow for four hours. So things are possible if you want them, if you, if you are creative and make them happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think there's mm-hmm. anyone who's listening from the UK or uh, from the US, Canada, Australia, where English is your first language, you are so lucky because almost everywhere you go, other uh, nomads and expats will speak your native language. And, uh, and we're so lucky to, be, to have English as our first language. Um, and we don't think we've been anywhere where we haven't found a few people who are very willing to talk to us in our native language, even though yeah. we're struggling to, yeah. to manage theirs. Yeah. So would you tell me a little bit more about your coaching business? So who do you coach? Who's a perfect client? What's the transformation that you help to mm-hmm. happen? So I have worked, most of them I have worked with expats. So even before I opened my coaching business, the people I had trained uh, when I worked for the two recruitment companies, they have been expats, expats working in IT and marketing in finance and in recruitment sales. So when I uh, decided to uh, have my own coaching practice, uh, it was a very easy decision to address expats. A, because I have been an expat myself for 20 years, and B, the people that I have got to know, um, the people that I have accompanied have been expats. How do I help expats? Um, Some expats don't even call themselves expats. 
they don't even know they are expats or they feel they are just international professionals. So um, I, I, yeah, I wouldn't put them in that box because we need to be very careful with, with naming them. But the people that come to me, um, they either are living abroad now or they want to live abroad or they used to live abroad. So they have an international profile, if you like. They speak uh, various foreign languages, um, they are career-oriented, but they also are, in, in most cases, at a crossroads in their lives. So they have seen a lot, they have done a lot, they have achieved a lot, and now they definitely want to spell out what their meaning in life is. So they want to live, continue living with a purpose. And it shouldn't be wishy-washy or cheesy, they really want to know their why. So when they come to me, we look at um, at where they are at in, in their lives and where they want to go so that the next step they take, the next decision they take, they are convinced that this is the right decision. It's just in sync, uh, it's in tune with what they want to do for the rest of their life, lives. So this, you know, some of them approach me because they are now opening their business that should be sustainable, a business that is in line with their why. Uh, other professionals uh, might approach me with with um, a topic related to their relationships or their health, uh, but we always look at their whole life because the kind of coaching I do is systemic coaching, meaning that what's important is you, the individual, but also all the relationships you have in your life. So if you can start with yourself and be a better version of yourself every day, of course the relationships you will have will also improve. So you um, have a bigger impact. So not only the relationship with your children, with your partner, will be better, but the one with, you know, maybe the, the, the person who serves you in the shop and your neighbor and your customers and, and your colleagues and your reports. So we look, we take like a helicopter view of your life and we tackle, you know, the biggest, let's say, priority first, making sure that it, um, that it, that you create a balance, a balance in your life, in all the areas of your life. So the transformation is clarity about what I want to do in my life, uh, how I want to do it, what goals I want to achieve, how I want to live my life, what I am about, what my passions and strengths are, so that I can do what I am best at most of the time. Because this leads to a life full of satisfaction. People will recognize me for what I do. I add value and I don't struggle. So whatever I do in life doesn't feel like work because it gives me so much pleasure that work doesn't feel like work and I am, yeah, I'm adding value to this greater good. Tell me, I'm, I'm interested in, with a lot of people working remotely now but still being employed, um, do you think that that's going to allow a lot more people to go and live part-time in another country or even full-time? Yeah, absolutely. I've actually accompanied people who were in the process of making this decision to leave their permanent jobs but while while they decide to leave their jobs they are now defining what it is that they could do so this actually i love this process because they are gaining a better self-awareness of what they're actually good at what they want to do you know next so they are exploring their experience and looking at it from a different perspectives looking at their skills uh, becoming also um, more self-reliant, trusting themselves that they can. So they are now, I think, encouraged to create their own mission and vision and then apply this. So before before the, the, the pandemic, um, I would be delivering more face-to-face -face coaching while now 
it kind of goes without saying that I can coach clients online wherever they are. Um, it gives me more flexibility, but also the clients can fit it in better in their schedule. You know, they don't need to drive, they don't need to commute, they don't need to park their car, and they see that this is possible. Um, so even though we don't want to talk about COVID, it, it has, I think, because I'm trying to see always opportunities and challenges. I think this is what my biggest learn has been, you know, in all my transitions, to see the challenge, to, to, to see the challenges as something you can learn from. So, so, so what I have learned from the pandemic together with my clients is that while there's something really difficult happening, how can we use it to our advantage? How can we rediscover ourselves, reinvent ourselves uh, and become even more resilient so that if we have to, you know, fall face first next time, how will we bounce back and, and, and forward even quicker? So that if, if, you, if you adopt this attitude, then you, you really can live your life to the fullest because you can trust yourself that whatever happens, you can, you can manage. Which then helps people to grow into a different kind of person. If you are self-reliant, then you can decide, oh, I've always been an employee for all my life and I'm too scared to start a business. You move you move abroad for six months, you realise you're stronger than you think, and then you can start a business. Absolutely. So, yeah. So from the, from, from the survey that I have conducted with expats and nomads, it's like when I asked them what advice, what piece of advice they would give to people considering moving abroad. They, 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 most of them said, go and do it because this will be the best lesson about yourself and the world. And there are so, it's not, it's not only about going abroad and then working remotely and only having, you know, your own company. You can, there are so many other, so many other ways and options, you know, you can find gigs, you can start, you, you can, you can have a job that will have you travel around the world. You can have gigs, you can work for a local company. So people, when when they think about leaving the country and, and going in and living abroad, they think, oh, I need to be an entrepreneur. I need to, you know, take my work with me. And I need to have already a business up and running and everything has to be uh, uh, set up. No, not, not really. If you feel like you need to go, go. And maybe this decision will give you the boost, the motivation, the fuel, the creativity, to build your business or to find the gig or to find a job locally or to find a job that will have you travel all around the world. Mm -hmm. So you see, I'm always about options. So there's not only A and B, there is so many possibilities. So the, the, the company I worked for in Germany was a British-based company, S3, that had me deliver training and coaching face-to-face -face and online to 25 countries. So even though I, may, I might not have traveled to the country, I have met people from India, from Singapore, from Australia, from the US on a weekly basis. So I felt like, you know, I was I, I was part of their culture. So tell me, you talk about your survey um, and the results of which are really interesting. They're in your ebook, which I'll put a link to to get your ebook um, below this. Uh, was there anything right. surprising that came out from the survey? Anything surprised you? I think what, what surprised me is that people are very eager to talk about the, the pros, but also, they're very about they're very aware about the challenges. Mm. So um, about so the most feedback was about the trade-off. So be aware that going abroad is not only you know the exploration and the adventure. Um, that there is, I wouldn't say a price to pay, but there is a, a, a give and take. There is a trade-off. So if you have awareness of what you're gaining, but what you might also be saying no to, then it will be easier to accept it 
So I think when we talk about the nomad lifestyle and being an expat, uh, what most people do not know about expats is that they tend to suffer in silence. And this was also something that I brought to the surface, um, that um, we, we expats are curious people. We like getting out of our comfort zone. This is like in our DNA. But because of all those expectations that we have of ourselves, of the new country, of the new job, we think or we, we, we assume we should be able to manage it all by ourselves because we have the capacity, right? We have the resources. But sometimes we do get stuck. Sometimes we, we might have to have a chat with, with a best friend or get professional help or just admit that, oof, I need to slow down. Uh, I, I need to sort this out and speak also about the problems I have. I know, I know that... Mm. Um, that a lot of people think, oh, I'm going to sort of save my life by going traveling. But really what you're doing is you're making room for amazing new experiences, but you but you have to make room by losing something else mm-hmm. from your life. And excuse me, that's a, uh, seems to be a yeah. theme amongst quite a lot of our, uh, quite a lot of people we've interviewed who've said, look, if I'd stayed, like there was one particular guy, um, an accountant, but he knows that if he stayed in his home country, he might have been sort of, um, sort of three or four rungs up the ladder, but he decided to move to Gibraltar. Um, where you knew that, okay, my trade-off is that yeah. I can come home from work and go stand up paddleboarding around, you know, around the Gibraltar coast or something, or I can get my pool. Whereas if you lived in Guernsey, couldn't necessarily do that. So I think that's a really, really interesting and really important point that mm. a lot of people who want to travel don't necessarily mm. comprehend that you have to make room in your life for travel by taking potentially something else out. It's it's a trade-off. And again, it's not about just focus, focusing on on the challenges, right? Because then we will be discouraged discouraged from moving. I think it's 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 about going back to what we said. What is your why? You know, what do you need in your life? What do you want? Um, so go and then look for it. Make sure that you find the ingredients. If career is not what you, if if, if like you've just mentioned, this accountant, um, what he wanted is the flexibility, a different lifestyle, not necessarily maybe the three, you know. Uh, uh, three steps up the career ladder so if you're clear about what you want then you are going to be in peace so your life will be in harmony because you will know that wow you will know why you are where you are absolutely love it love it okay right so if um i want to thank you so much for your time you've been so interesting um and uh, you've got such an interesting life by the way the we've not even talked about your style coaching which you do um you seem you seem to have a lot of uh, a lot of skills Mm-hmm. So if someone is interested in a style makeover yeah. or anything like that, go to your website and there's a little whole section on uh, style there, isn't there? It's actually, it's part of, of the coaching. So it's not only about right. the, the style, it's more about the image. So if you want to feel more confident and you start with, with the inner self, but still the, the outer self, so your appearance, your gestures, your um, eye contact, they do not transmit that. Um, you might want to work also on on your appearance, on the colors you wear to boost your confidence. You, because you might be very a, a very aware human being and feel confident, but it doesn't show on the outside. So if you wear the right clothes that are fitted to you with the right right cuts, with the right fabric, with the right dynamic and movement in them, this can just foster your your confidence. So I work I work with with coaches on that on their on their image. Lucy, thank you so much for all your advice, all your, and uh, and for giving um, giving people a real reason to consider travelling or moving abroad or something like that. Because I think after this, after, when this pandemic finally disappears, we don't want to say the c word. When it finally disappears, then I think a lot of people would be more prepared 
um, and ready to go off and live a different life. So if people want to learn a bit more about you or perhaps talk to you about your coaching, what's the best place for them to? I would recommend they go and check out my website because I have a lot of information about really what coaching is. So if they don't know, they're not sure uh, because there are so many types of coaching, I would direct them there to read up first and then send me a message, send me an email. I'm also on Facebook, on Instagram and on LinkedIn. And with the same name, Lucina Bolin. So this is where they can find me. So that was Lucy Bolin. I hope you enjoyed that. What a lovely lady. She really is. She really is. She's very generous with the time and her information um, and just an all-round nice person. In fact, fun fact, about maybe five minutes from the end of the uh, end of the interview, her uh, her neighbour started drilling into the wall and you couldn't hear, we, we just couldn't hear each other. And so I said, don't worry, I'll probably be able, I won't be able to edit it out, but I, we might be able to just cut the interview short. She went, no, 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 no. And she went round and spoke to the neighbour and very kindly asked him to stop drilling. <laughs> Um, and uh, and came back, but any bit of a behind the scenes irrelevant info for you there. So, what was your biggest takeaway from that one, Leanne? I think, as we said, we, you know, we said at the beginning, it is that trade off, and the trade off is real. It's really real, mm. and you have to think really carefully. And it's not even just from a social aspect. You know, every life brings up challenges and low points, and if you've not got that social, you know, support network around you, it can be it can be even tougher. So I think it's something you have to have to really seriously consider, and particularly in terms of of where you're going to go, how long you're going to spend there. I mean, for us, I guess in, until until Mrs. Covid came along, <laughs> we 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 did all right in terms of seeing people. We'd go back to the UK at least once a year, maybe twice. People would come and visit us. We'd gate crash people's holidays all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I never really felt that lacking. Yes, we'd go, you know, maybe three, four five tops at a time without seeing somebody that we that we knew mm-hmm. um or from making you know a friend that we spent a good bit of time with when we were traveling but i think especially since covid has impacted it's really made it struck me i mean we have family that live in new zealand and it, it strikes me hi lorna hi tom you know hello um it really strikes me about how um that is a real thing that they need to deal with is not seeing family for chunks of time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like we're we're being negative about this lifestyle because we're not at all, as we've said all along, just being realistic. I mean, if you, we're husband and wife, and um, I think if we were having marital issues and decided that the that the fresh start is what we wanted and wanted to just move to a different country, that would be a disastrous thing because then you're relying on each other all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to have this friendship relationship because you've got a codependency because you're depending on them for for you know all of the everything really um, until you settle yourself and and find more friends. But it's really easy to find friends uh, in Istria. We joined a local group um, which is uh, which was fantastic. Went on a dog walk. Um, we saw some people on there who come for a dog come with a, for a dog walk and didn't even have a dog. They just wanted to come and say hello. And I think that's a really good good tip as well actually um you know if you if you see a social opportunity and, and facebook's a really great resource for it, isn't it probably more than instagram or mm. the tiktok <laughs> as the kids call it um but yeah facebook groups are really good and and yeah if an activity's going on and you don't quite fit the criteria but you think yeah sorry i'll go 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 yeah definitely smile wave say hello if you're in a, in a bar or a restaurant or a cafe Again, try and make conversation, particularly if the person speaks your language. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you just have to really put yourself out there. Language. 
anyway, so I think that's it for now. Uh, we have some... I don't have the schedule in front of me for the next one. It'll be a surprise. It'll be a surprise to all of us. <laughs> so, thank you for listening. Yeah, thanks, guys. If you want to um, if you want to leave a review, mm. a positive review, mm. that'd be nice. If, um, if you didn't like this episode, then one, why? Mm. Uh, but two, don't feel you need to leave a review. But if you want to, you know, it, it can help other people find us. Yeah, yeah, no one stars here, thank you very much. We're a one-star free zone. Mm, and two, for that matter. And three. Yeah. Four, four or above is what we're looking for. Yeah, we're looking for a five, but we'd take a four. We'd take a four. Reluctantly, but we'd take a four. <laughs> so if you want to leave us a five-star review... <laughs> that would be phenomenal. Just do it on iTunes or, or your local, wherever your local, whatever app you use. But iTunes is better for us. So just hop along to iTunes, the podcast app, and find our show. Scroll down, and it says leave a review. Click that button and... Just write some wonderful things about us. Mm. Thank you in advance. <laughs> right? Better go and uh, pour you another gin, Leon. Best had. Bye for now. Bye. Do you think we're a bit needy with the whole review thing? Um, Do we sound even more needy now talking about it? Oh, don't worry. I'll cut this bit out. Okay.